Hello, everybody. It's Leslie Jane Seymour at Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. And I am so happy to have two wonderful ladies here today to tell their stories. And it is going to be a tough talk, but it's all about how to reinvent yourself after getting out of an abusive relationship. And Vanny Murthy is talking very frankly about pulling herself out of an abusive relationship and being an immigrant and what happened with that. And then Yesenia Maldonado is talking about one of the groups that Vanny used to help pull herself out. So it's going to be a very interesting discussion. We have tips for people who are either in this situation or also if you know somebody who's in this situation, what do you do? What do you say? How do you help? So I want to welcome these two lovely ladies. And I really want to say thank you to Vanny for being such a brave person to discuss this. As she will say, you do feel like there's a stigma. How did you let this happen to you? She's a very smart, educated woman. It can happen to anybody. So without further ado, I welcome my two guests today. I want to thank everybody today for being here, especially because we have such wonderful guests. We have Vanny Murthy and Yesenia Maldonado, and they are here to talk about a very important topic that can be a source of reinvention, which is when you're in an abusive relationship, and sometimes you have to reinvent because of that. And we know that there are a lot of women who are in this situation. You may be in this situation or you may know somebody. And we are going to get tips for how to handle this and how to come out of it whole. And Vanny is a, a wonderful example of that. So I want to thank you, ladies, for being here today. And so glad you could make it. Thank you, Leslie, for having us. And uh, hello, everyone. Um, we really appreciate the opportunity uh, to be on your podcast and also being able to share my story. Um, listen here. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having Between Friends and Vanny here represented. Great. Awesome. So, Vanny, talk a little louder so we can hear your voice. And we really want to hear your story. First of all, tell us where you're from and how did you get into this relationship that you needed to reinvent yourself from? Um, I'm originally from India, so I was born and raised in India. Um, I finished my graduation there. I had a, uh, I have a, a master's degree in accounting. And uh, when I was at the age when I uh, was ready to get married, um, my family, one of our family members introduced me to um, this guy that was living in California. And uh, on paper, he looked really great. You know, he was good looking, educated, uh, and he was financially strong and living abroad. So uh, when, when I first met him, uh, he was really nice to me and my family, uh, very charming. We spent some time getting to know each other. And uh, I had mentioned that uh, I believe that when a man in, uh, in a marriage, a man and woman should be equal partners. And he felt the same way, and he kind of won me over um, and impressed my family. Once uh, I felt everything was okay, we went ahead, got married. And soon after I got married, and this was back in 2000, July of 2003, I moved to California. Um, but soon after I arrived in California, he changed, and uh, he was a completely different person. 
He started getting angry with me a lot. Uh, I felt like I was walking on eggshells around him. He would blame me for his temper and say mm. that if I didn't do this, uh, you know, he wouldn't have to get angry. And uh, it was very difficult for me to handle his mood swings um, and very confusing because I didn't understand what I could have possibly done to make him so angry. Uh, and he started laying all these rules down that mm. uh, he told me that, um, you know, I'm a woman. My place is in the kitchen. He's the man of the house. Oh boy. And uh, he expects me to listen to him not question his authority uh, and that wow. he would be the one handling the finances. And it was just kind of mind blowing to me uh, when I heard him talk like that. I was just completely shocked uh, because I grew up in a very supportive environment. My parents never put any limits on us. Uh, my dad, he passed away when I was 17, but I remember uh, he was very loving to my mom and he always mm -hmm. referred to her as his better half. So I've never seen this in my household. Mm. And so when my new husband started treating me badly, I would fight back and let him know that what he was doing is not okay. Um, mm. He would then regret his behavior. He would promise that he's not going to misbehave and he would keep his promises for a few weeks. Uh, and it was as if, you know, the abuse never happened. But then wow. um, I would feel like, okay, maybe things will get better. I'm still newly married. I'm only like a few weeks into the marriage and probably I should give him a chance and some more time and see how things go. But then uh, just when I thought that things were going back to normal, it would happen all over again. So six months later, when the cycle kept repeating, I had enough. Like, I'm like, this is, this is not good. Uh, but the problem is I had no money and mm. I was in a country away from family mm. and I didn't know anyone and on a visa status that didn't allow me to work. So I was in a dilemma on how am I going to get out of this? Um, I couldn't fall back on my family because, you know, my mom is a widow. She didn't have uh, much money. My elder sister was going through a difficult pregnancy and my younger sister had just graduated from uh, college and uh, just got a new job. So I had I started trying to figure things out on my own. Um, and one afternoon when I was watching Oprah, there was this woman on the show. Um, I was actually not really paying attention to the TV show. I was just thinking about what I, what I need to do. And then suddenly this woman was on the show sharing her story and it caught my attention. And that was the first time I heard about the warning signs and the cycle of abuse. Mm. And I learned about how the domestic violence agency had helped this woman get out of the situation. And I realized that what I was experiencing was just the tip of the iceberg and mm -hmm. that things could get worse and even mm -hmm. dangerous. Mm -hmm. So after I listened to the show, I immediately looked up domestic violence agencies in my area. And I soon found out just by reading the resources that were online that the immigration law at the time did not support uh, spouses that were here on a dependent visa. Mm -hmm. So if an immigrant were married to a green card holder or a citizen and they were being abused, they could get a green card, which would allow them to work. Um, the law has changed now, but back then I did not have the same options available uh, to someone like me. Mm -hmm. So I felt trapped. I felt forced to stay with my ex because if I left him, I had literally nowhere to go. And But watching the uh, program had helped me understand, and also by reading all the material online, 
um, it was very clear to me that when a spouse is trying to leave the abuser, it is the most dangerous time in the relationship. So safety became my priority. I kept all my documents in one bag and in a place where I could easily access it in the case of an emergency. Mm. And then I would also change the spot frequently so he wouldn't know where my stuff was right. or what was in my bag. Then I started looking for a job. Uh, finding somebody to sponsor my work permit was very difficult, but uh, volunteering was allowed on my visa status. So I looked up a couple of places within walking distance and convinced my ex to let me volunteer there. And I thought that if I build a good relationship with the people, you know, and if they like my work, maybe they would hire me. And that way I'll be able to get away from my um, ex-husband. So he he drove me to the place, he checked it out, and then he agreed to let me go there. Um, My home did not feel safe. It did not feel normal. I was eager to get out of the house and kind of be around people doing normal things. So being able to go out and volunteer gave me a sense of purpose and hope. Uh, Also, the people that I helped were very nice to me. They were very grateful, and I felt respected and validated. Mm. Um, In general, volunteering can really be a rewarding experience, but for me, it was life-saving. Wow. Um, it helped me stay strong and boost my morale um, because my ex-husband was like putting me down every day at home, telling me that I wasn't worth anything. Mm. Um, I knew it wasn't true. I mean, he was lying, but volunteering kind of helped me keep my sanity and know my self-worth. And but still, there were times when I was like fearful about my future and my safety. And in my darkest hours, my mom's words kept coming back to me. Uh, she would often say, focus on education because no one can take that away from you. So I found out about the CPA exam and uh, I expressed interest to take the exam. Um, I convinced him to pay for the books and for the exam fees. Uh, He agreed to it because he thought that if I get a job, it meant more money for us and he could control my finances. So out of of greed, he just paid for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I worked hard and I passed the CPA exam hoping to get out of this as soon as possible. But then that made the situation worse at home because he felt like he was losing control. Yeah. And uh, if and he would lose, uh, you know, he would not be able to stop me if I became financially independent. So that's when the emotional and the verbal abuse turned into physical abuse. So he threw oh. me uh, against the wall and he choked me. And by this time I was a year and a half into my marriage and my situation got dangerous, but I stayed strong. I hung in there and uh, passed the exam uh, with uh, good marks. And he got so insecure that without informing me, he made plans to move me back to India. Oh my. Yeah. Thinking that if he uproots me, uh, he's going to put an end to my efforts to break free. So he was hoping to get uh, his family involved and put some pressure on me to stay in the marriage. And I didn't resist. I played along because I finally saw my chance to leave. Mm. Um, The day after we arrived in India, we were at his family home. I informed him that I'm going to see my mom. And I managed to sneak out my documents, my jewelry, and I left safely. I never went back and I did not look back after that. So two and a half years after marriage, I moved back to my mom's house. And I still remember when I knocked on her door, uh, she wasn't expecting anyone. So when she opened the door, she was really shocked to see me. Um, I hadn't seen my mom in two and a half years. And the first thing I said to her was put these documents in a safe place. And then she knew right away that something terrible had happened. 
And mm. the first, and then she, she, without missing a heartbeat, you know, she said, um, "Would you like to go shopping? Let's get out of here." Mm. So in that moment, I knew like I was safe and I was going to be okay. So um, I immediately started rebuilding my life. I got a job, applied for divorce. I decided to um, move out of India, maybe go to Singapore or United States. Um, you know, I get asked, like, you had a bad experience in the United States. Why did you want to come back here? Right. And I'm like, you know, the place didn't do anything wrong to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the person. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and I like that in um, America, I felt a sense of, of freedom. I don't know, but I felt like people uh, were different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it gave me, uh, I felt uh, nice being here. So, mm-hmm. so the decision was based on many reasons. One of them being, I wanted to physically distance myself from my ex. As I mean, I wanted to be as far away as possible. Mm -hmm. So after two or three months when nothing worked out, you know, I wasn't getting a job um, abroad, I decided to go back to school. I got accepted in one of the top universities in my profession um, in uh, in the thing that was in September. And the next month, I bought myself a one-way ticket to San Francisco, even before I got the visa appointment, because I knew I was on my way to my new life. So my divorce got finalized. I got my visa and I arrived in San Francisco a year later uh, to start a new life as a student. Uh, once I started uh, uh, going to school, I applied for a community leader scholarship and the same people that I had helped uh, when I was with my ex-husband, the same people wrote really strong recommendation letters and they helped me get the scholarship that paid for my first car. So that- Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that moment was really very empowering for me. Um, then um, I finished my program in one year. Uh, the next couple of years, I spent settling down and just living my life and enjoying my freedom. A few years later, I decided to help out other Asian, Southeast uh, Asian women who were in a similar situation. Uh, I wanted to share my story. I wanted to help them. So I did the domestic violence training, and it was very eye-opening for me because that's when I realized that this issue was widespread, and it mm-hmm. affected people regardless of the age, gender, ethnic, financial, or educational background. So the next six years I spent working directly with the survivors at the emergency shelter. Um, I was invited as a motivational speaker a couple of times. I also conducted financial literacy workshops and uh, work with, and my work with survivors uh, and mentoring homeless children was extremely healing for me. Uh, professionally, uh, despite the recession, I was able to find new opportunities because of my strong educational background. Um, I managed to keep moving up the career ladder. I also started writing and I got published by AICPA in the Journal of Accountancy a few times, which is a top publication in my field. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge recognition to be published by them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at this time, I also started, uh, I felt comfortable going out and meeting people and slowly getting back to normal life. And so I socialized a lot. I met many new people and I realized that that there were good men out there and maybe I should try to find somebody that's good. uh, That's a good guy. And um, there is, and I I need to get married, you know? Mm -hmm. So to me, that was a sign that I was healing and I was ready to start my, um, you know, new life um, uh, in that sense. 
So I, uh, in 2015, I met a wonderful man and we got married uh, by end of the year. He's very loving, very kind and my rock, complete opposite of my ex-husband. And I'm in a very loving and a very healthy relationship right now. Uh, I just celebrated three year anniversary yesterday. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I'm very blessed uh, to be with him. And uh, so after I um, got married to him, I moved to Chicago. Um, and in my new job, my boss noticed my talents. She also knew about my community involvement and she nominated me for the Woman to Watch Award. Um, this is a big recognition uh, because uh, she, uh, this award is given by AICPA to recognize women in the accounting profession and the state uh, societies uh, recognize the local women um, that are uh, not only giving back to their organization, but also to the community and uh, doing some great work for um, mentoring uh, women and empowering women. So I was uh, busy planning my wedding at the time and I didn't really uh, think much about this award. After the wedding, I found out that I had been uh, selected under the emerging leader category and I just couldn't believe it. It was such a wonderful feeling to get the recognition um, after everything that I had been through. Um, so, you know, we, we were very happy, very excited that uh, this happened. Um, but, you know, always at the back of my mind, you know, after I moved to Chicago, I still wanted to continue the work that I was doing with women when I was in uh, California. So I started looking for uh, domestic violence agencies in the area and I wanted to do something at the organization level and uh, help create awareness in the community for this cause. And Between Friends came up in my search. They were looking for a board member. And I thought that with my personal experience and also my experience helping women and children, maybe, you know, this is a right fit for me. Mm -hmm. And as soon I became a board member, uh, I also learned that the agency focused on prevention efforts by educating our youth. Um, although they do have support services and programs to help adults experiencing domestic violence and help them get back on their feet. Um, I was thrilled to just find an agency that was so passionate about prevention and was doing such great work with children and youth. So my background and experience matched and I became a board member. Uh, I've been, since then I've been able to uh, help them uh, be featured on TV, on ABC7 and uh, bring in uh, more than $6,000 in donations. That's great. Um, yeah, and uh, thank you. And I recently stepped down in June, but I continue to work with them and I continue to uh, help them whenever I have a time, when I have a chance. But what I wanna say, like based on my experience and also what uh, I have seen over these past several years uh, working for this cause is that domestic violence is not just physical abuse. It can be financial, it can be sexual or emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. And I've met so many people uh, doing this work. It's just heartbreaking to know that a lot of us have experienced some kind of uh, domestic violence at some point in our lives, regardless of who we are or where we come from. Right. And we don't see many people talking about this issue. There seems to be a misconception that this just happens to women. And people don't realize that men also experience this and it's a social problem. Mm. And recently, domestic violence stories have been in the news a lot. Uh, there have been incidents on the rise and, you know, people showing up uh, and uh, shooting their spouses or their mm -hmm. partners. 
That's right. Speaking out against domestic violence, I feel is very important because there is a stigma attached to this. There is a fear of being judged. Um, Even for me, like uh, it took me a while before I found my courage to talk about this because I come from a very good family and then this happened to me. So it's hard for me to share my experience because people ask me, you are so smart, you are so intelligent, how could you let this happen to you? Or why is it that this happened to you? And all I can say is even though I knew this was happening to me, I had to be very careful because my safety was at risk. I couldn't right. just drop and leave. That's the, the, the most uh, difficult part to explain is that there is so much control going on. There is a power struggle going on. Like you have to be uh, you have to really be careful when you're leaving the relationship. And for me, the window of opportunity arrived two and a half years later. So until then, I had to kind of make sure that I was safe. Um, and they say that, don't they, Vanny? They say that when you've decided to leave, that's actually the most dangerous point. Yeah, yeah it is. Very, absolutely. Because in my situation, when he realized that I was really trying to break free when he right. sensed that, Mm-hmm. He literally moved us out of the country. Yeah. Wow. He went to that extent. So wow. that tells you something right there. So, so Vanny, for our, for our listeners here, what is it in you? Do you think that you, you're very calm, you're very collected. Um, it is very hard to imagine that you would be in this situation. Um, it isn't hard to imagine that you would figure your way out, but what do you think it is about you and who you are in your background that made you figure out how to get out of it? Because a lot of women don't know how to get out of it. Um, so I think that um, what helped me is realizing that nothing or no one can break my spirit. That the power is lies within me to change my situation. And I didn't allow his words to sink into my spirit. Because we are not defined by what others say. We are not defined by what happens to us. And like I said, my parents never put any limits on us. They were always telling us that you can reach the, you know, sky is the limit. You can do whatever you want in your life. So those words of encouragement kept coming back to me. You know, that was in my upbringing. That was Mm -hmm. in my values. Mm -hmm. And so I knew my mom is, a. I mean, my mom is a very strong woman. My dad, he was very liberal for his generation, you know. Mm-hmm. So he he has mm-hmm. three daughters, and he always was very proud of us. So I think my upbringing had a lot to do with that. On top of that, my mom, she was so uh, keen on getting us education that, you know, it just saved my life. And because of that... But you didn't... Did you confide in her, though? Because you, you said that she was no. surprised when you showed up at her door. No. So you hadn't told her... No, everything that was going on? No, I hadn't because I didn't want to burden her. Uh, she wasn't financially strong and my sister was struggling with a pregnancy that was very difficult. Uh-huh. So she was helping my sister. So mm-hmm. I just didn't, and I was away in a different country. I don't know what she, what she possibly could have done because she didn't have money, much money at the time. I so see. Uh, I didn't want to burden her and I thought that I can figure it out and eventually I did. But um, what I'm trying to say is because of that um, confidence they instilled in me, because of those values, when this happened to me, I wasn't scared 
that uh, about uh, I was scared for my safety, but you mm-hmm. know uh, I knew how to use a laptop. I knew how to get on Google and look for information. I knew how right. to you know I was able to read and analyze the information, and I was also able to look up multiple resources and be completely aware and educate myself of the situation and then take the necessary steps to figure things out, like how to go about doing this now that I know what I'm dealing with. So, and also along the way, um, I had to make sure that I was, um, I had healthy coping mechanisms uh, because in that dire situation, when everything is against you, you have to kind of find a way to stay strong and stay focused yeah. and uh, mental health this kind of became a priority to me mm-hmm. and I would do everything I could to um, take care of myself maybe go for long walks or you know um, listen to something positive mm-hmm. um, and uh, pay attention to like self-love self-care uh, some uh, those type of things and healing and recovery is kind of ongoing um, even in those moments, you know, I was going through a phase of healing and then suddenly something would happen and it would set me back. Right. So, um, I think I have, um, and I've also seen my mom, like the way she copes with things and how she overcome, uh, how she has overcome so many challenges in her life. And so I knew that it can be done. Yes. So, so that's why I kept going, you know? And so, so I'm going to interrupt you there cause we're almost at the end. Um, and I want to give uh, Yesenia a chance to talk. Um, so Yesenia, do you want to pop on for a few minutes and just talk a little bit about what you do and how you and Vanny hooked up? And then we're going to talk about some tips for people who really are in this situation or if they know somebody in this situation, how you handle it. Are you there, Yesenia? Yes, I am. Thank you so much, Leslie. I am um, thrilled to talk a little bit about um, the organization that Vani mentioned. Um, Between Friends is an organization really dedicated to building a community free of abuse. And we really do that through the lens of prevention as Vani mentioned. And one of the ways we view prevention is not only engaging young people in the conversation um, and the adults in their lives around what is it gonna take to end domestic violence, but we also recognize that prevention involves preventing future incidences of harm in relationships. And so what that means is that we're there to assist people through their challenges and what is experiencing to help them rebuild and let them know that they're not alone. Bonnie's story represents one in four women who have experienced some type of abuse in a relationship um, in their lifetime and one in seven men. And what her story also brings out is what we oftentimes hear in from people that we support is if I would have known some of the things I know now, mm-hmm. I really could have prevented some of this from happening. But also engaging survivors of domestic violence is important, but also recognizing that they're not harming themselves. And we have to remember that prevention, what it also offers is opportunity to engage people who may potentially harm and let them know that there is another way to behave in a relationship that equality does not equal challenge of power and that balance in a relationship can be successful but when you say let other people behave you don't mean the victim should be changing their behavior or do you 
No, I mean that, you know, when you talk, when we talk in a classroom, we're talking to people who have been harmed and letting them know that they deserve to be treated with respect. Ah. We also are understanding that there are people in a setting that have harmed other people. What we want them to know is that there's another way to engage in relationships. And then really everyone else is the community that's around us, that we suspect something is going on, yes. or we think something might be happening. We don't know what to say and do. And so really giving the tools for others to know how to engage and support someone, whether they're harming someone else or they're being harmed. It's really important that both individuals get the support that they need in order to end this from um, continuing into the future. Now, are you located only in Chicago or do you um, have a big online presence? If someone's having trouble, can they reach out to your group or are you around the country? So anyone can reach us. That's the beauty of the internet. And so www.betweenfriendschicago.org is our website. And there is a chat feature. Um, we also have a youth chat feature on um, reach the number four for friends.org. So reach for friends.org also has a chat feature where you could really engage in someone live and get the support that you need um, live. And also if we're in, we are based out of Chicago, but we have access to resources all over the country. Okay. And so we are able to connect people to their local resource, get okay. them connected immediately. Thank you for asking. Great. Excellent. So with the two of you on here, let's just talk about two things that somebody can do immediately to help themselves if they're in this situation uh, to get themselves out. Um, besides, obviously, one is reaching out to the Between Friends group, chicago.com. That's one. Um, but what other two things can they do? And then give me one uh, tip for people who may know somebody who's in this situation um, and what they can do. So I would say that for somebody that's experiencing this, uh, four words of encouragement into your spirit and empower yourself. And difficult situations and people are not meant to stay, so don't give up. Uh, so time goes by quickly. Hopefully you get the help you need and you can uh, come out of this situation. And with regard to someone that knows uh, who, someone that's going through this, I would say be there for this person. Do not judge them. Listen to them and help them make the healthy choices they need to make to have a, a um, successful life or to come out of this. Yesenia, what do you think? Vani said it very well. I will say that I think what's most important is for people to know that they're not alone, yes. that there are there is support out there, and that you know, what I've seen the other side of people. I've seen them walk into our waiting room down and unable to kind of even make eye contact. And I've seen the transformation that's possible. And so I think believing that that is possible for someone and giving themselves the, the reassurance that they know that they're not alone and it's not their fault. Right. Yeah, I think there is a stigma attached to uh, this situation. You know, people are afraid to speak about this. And, um, and one thing I've learned is that we are not alone in our pain and suffering. Uh, healing comes by acknowledging that we are surrounded by love and support, either in a divine form or in the form of family and friends. And by reaching out and sharing a story, uh, you know, we can help others. And it, it's very healing for ourselves, too. So Great. I would say speak up. Great. All right. Those are great tips to end on. Oh, my. 
<laughs> uh, those are great tips to end on, ladies. And thank you so much for being here. We so appreciate your time. And you are very brave, Vanny. Thank you for telling you. your your story. And I think that there are many people who are going to be helped by hearing this today. Thank, thank you, you, ladies. For sure. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Bye-bye. So I want to thank you all for listening to Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour and my two wonderful guests. I hope that this was a very inspiring for you. And I hope that if you know somebody who's in an abusive relationship or you yourself are in an abusive relationship, that you will reach out and get help. And I also hope that if you enjoy this podcast, you will give us a five-star rating. We need ratings in order for other people to find us. And I hope that you will turn other people on to the podcast too, because we really do want to help women reinvent themselves. It's such an important feature in our lives as we live longer and we actually have to reinvent ourselves maybe two and three times, which is a wonderful thing. So thank you for being here. And I appreciate everything you do by listening. And I hope this has helped you be inspirational. And I hope it's helped you reinvent yourself. Thank you.